0: How's everybody doing today? hope you're doing, doing
1: good. good. How are you?
0: I am doing well, and I hope everybody watching and listening is doing well. Episode three of the Dungeons and Downloads podcast, live right now on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch, and if you're listening to this on a podcast service later, you can't see us, but you can hear us, and that's something. You can
1: see us if you think really hard. Yeah, exactly. That's how that works.
0: Yeah, if you squint a little bit. At the person that you're looking at right now in front of you.
1: Don't do that if you're driving, though, because that's (laughs) a bad idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah, if you're driving, we're the car that you're about to meet right now. (laughs)
1: Right now. We're the car you're about to meet. (laughs) Okay.
0: Oh, boy. So, yeah. The new schedule is every Monday at 8, so we just bumped it a half an hour. My life was kind of rushed a little bit, so I said, hey, can we move it a little bit? And Cal was like no and i was like well i'm gonna call the manager and then i asked for
1: cal again <laughs> and then, i still he, said no i don't know why i'm yeah. here right now i yeah. showed up at 7 30 and i'm leaving at 8 30 yeah, he, he started at 7 30
0: <laughs> yeah we're gonna talk about different topics now because he's already talked about the first topic
1: i've already done the first thing let's go
0: yeah
1: Put the show on the road
0: So our topics for today, I I wanted to take a, I I picked the first topic. I wanted to talk about some of our kind of more nostalgic and childhood video games and kind of like, not necessarily what got us into video games, but like, you know, just some of those good memories and first games and kind of stuff like that. That way you guys can kind of get to know us. Yeah. Positive thoughts. You guys can get to know us a little bit better and yeah. And and you picked the second topic,
1: (laughs) 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 which is (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the second topic today is dealing with death in D&D,
0: and that kind of comes off the heels of the uh, the encounter building so this is kind of almost a sequel what happens if i did it wrong (laughs) well not even wrong but
1: not 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 necessarily wrong it's also great because one of the two of us killed the character that the other one made
0: i don't know who that was
1: i know who that was
0: (laughs) oh man never gonna live that down
1: oh no 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 you're not well let's start with the good
0: (laughs) let's start with the good happy thoughts the good the the good the the good vibes nostalgia so i i haven't actually asked you this before so i don't actually know what what was your first gaming console growing up like and i mean the first one you remember because like you could have had like you
1: remember it's a super nintendo yeah entertainment system yeah i remember that for sure
0: we we started off with with a NES, and i i actually have like well i don't remember playing it i have some pretty vivid memories around it and i'll I'll get into that in a minute
1: um, i definitely we definitely had a nest in the household i don't remember a lot about it though
0: yeah my first real console too was also a snes like when i got the nest like they probably my parents probably had the nest like before i was born or bought it like when i was two so like we always had a NES in the house but like i remember like getting the super nintendo
1: Super so mario bros 3 was on the NES, right that was the last mario nes title or yeah. was it that...
0: yeah, yeah okay. and that's actually one of one of my most vivid like first video game yeah. memories and <laughs> i'm gonna say i didn't realize all of this until like later on in life but My parents had a friend who was, like, a couch surfer, and he would sometimes crash on our couch or our neighbor's house, but he was, like, the first person to, like, introduce me to the idea of flying up the top to get the whistle, or, like, jumping over world level one, two to get to the warp pipes. (laughs) So, like, my first memory is just being, like, completely dumbfounded, like, you can can just go up there. You You can, can do that? And if you do go up there, there's actually a thing. And it's like, oh, it's a whistle. Like. Okay. And then it's like, yeah, but you can, like, skip the entire game. And it was a whole. You can skip the entire. What? What?
2: Are you a wizard? What is this shit? <laughs> Are you a wizard? <laughs> Vienna, that was crazy. I was. I do remember, I, I remember some of the, the
1: skips, seeing some of the skips. Yeah. I really wasn't playing that much when Super Mario Brothers. 3 was a thing. I was more watching. I was at the age mm-hmm. where I wasn't really playing anything, watching them go play.
0: There is definitely, I don't know if it's still around, but at one point in the existence of the universe, there was video of me playing as like a two or a three-year-old child of just like running into Goombas or like hopping over one and then running into a hole that's like, I, I know that I was playing and I have video of my son doing the same, just like literally just pushing the over button and just running into a Goomba and then just like, oh, and then he does it again. Oh, it's like <laughs> you need to jump. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like for as much video game stuff as we had, like. My parents did not play video games. At all, like I don't. Even, I honestly, I don't know why we. Ha- I don't know why we had a NES.
1: My dad definitely <laughs> did. That's why we had a NES, and because my brother, my brother, yeah. and my dad. That's why we had the original systems and all that. It my, a lot.
0: My parents never played. so Like, like I said, I don't know why we had a NES. We got a Super Nintendo because we liked the NES, and that was the next step up. So we got to use right. a used NES, I guess, at that point. But I don't know why we had an S. No nobody played except for like a 2-year-old kid, but like why would you go and like we must have had it. I'll have to ask my parents cuz like we, mu- we they wouldn't have bought it for me at 2 years old.
1: Right, that wouldn't have been. Like, so like we must have had it. I had this console for a 2-year-old.
0: But like it's also possible they picked it up at a yard sale for 10 bucks one time and dad thought he might play it someday and never did. That's a possibility.
1: That is true. That wasn't I mean that was how so my brother eventually ended up paying for the old console from like selling his old the new consoles when they came up yep. by selling his old ones at a yard sale that was how he used to always get them
0: that's how we got our n64 we sold our snes in like 40 games
1: yeah and then you just buy an n64 the new and new stuff we had this was dude back in the day
0: he like it was at like a like do you know what a flea market is i don't know if that's a yeah okay cool yeah, i don't know it. That's Eastern. a that's a US term too. Okay, cool. There was a there was a flea market and there was this old dude. Like he was in like his 70s or 80s and he had like fucking like a, like a box of like SNES games and a box of NES games and he had this like binder for like what like as he would like come across games, like he would determine a price for them. And we used to go there every Sunday. Because if the game you were bringing in was worth the same as another game, he'd just trade it or, you know, you could buy a different game. They were always cheap. So, like, you could buy a game one week and go home and, like, oh, I don't like this game. And then just, like, bring it in next week and be like, okay, this was, like, a $4 game. Like, what else do you have for $4? And then just, like, trade it, like, straight out. But he, he Did was... you
2: ever play yeah. Bubble Bobble? Yes. Classic
1: game. Yep. I remember that game a lot that was also an nes game i guess more nes was my first memory <laughs> I, played... I remember the i mean i, I remember the tune because it just, it just goes over and over and over and over again
0: yep That's i remember I playing a lot of burger time
1: i don't think i played that game
0: it's like it's it was an arcade port to the nes where like you play as like a chef and you're running over like the burger bun then the burger bun falls down a level and you have to like kill enemies by like dropping the buns at certain times it, gotcha. It, it was a shitty game, but we had it <laughs> right. I mean
1: those were also the like these weren't the days of downloadable games like if you bought a game and it was bad, you'd still play it oh not yeah. like you're gonna return it, you're just gonna play it and beat it and like suffer there, through it if it's bad
0: there was one game I don't remember anything about it, but when I was looking up speed run games the other day, I found that there's like one or two people who run it, but there were no guides, so I didn't go any further. It was called super ball i think you play as like this little lump of jelly like this big and you can like pick up a marble and like that's all i remember <laughs> nice i like it <laughs> maybe what was it called speedball super ball um oh what smart ball that's what it was called here what was this
2: smart
0: I'm, I'm, I'm gonna bring this up
1: hold on smart ball Smart ball speed run here. Smart ball Because that's something different. That's any Yeah. So here's a here's a quick. Li-
0: oh, no. oh no! Oh no! Oh, no! I'm not gonna play the audio for this ad. Screw that. Um. Th- this is smart. This is smart ball.
1: Oh yeah, they ran into ran into GDQ. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay, that's a thing.
0: You play as like a little. <laughs> you plays. As... <laughs> I remember renting this game, and, like, you can get little little balls that go inside the ball of jelly.
1: The, like, the, like the jump ball that guy got?
0: Yeah, so he's got a jump ball right now, but there's other ones, too. Huh. And And uh, I don't really remember a whole lot about it, but I remember renting this game over and over again because there was nothing else that was any good. Yeah they're skipping Maybe a lot this of game it but... any
1: good really i i don't know man It I... look bad it Looks like a classic snes game
0: it was it was definitely a classic snes game but i played a shit ton of that game yeah i, I
1: also remember renting a lot of quest 64 um, i never played quest 64 i've seen so much of it now that i'm an adult because it's such a meme game yeah but uh, i never uh, played quest 64 we were I in a big rpg household
0: neither were we like i don't remember playing it a lot but like i remember renting it a lot because that was something we would do is we would just rent a game over and over and over again until we had our fill with it right um yeah we did that a lot um what would you say was your your favorite game as a kid not necessarily like your favorite game now but like if you can go back to like ness or Cal, like what game did you rack the hours up on
1: I mean, There's a lot. There's a lot of Mario. Yep. For 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 the NES, yep. for the SNES,
2: um, got a lot of fond memories of Kirby's Dream Course. Yep. That was a classic game. That was yep. a fun game to play.
1: So yeah, those two are they're definitely up there as far as what I can remember of those days.
2: So the the two game, couple, Mary Brothers three.
0: For me, Kirby Superstar of hours and on that game as a kid
1: also a great game
0: um believe it or not um you so i, I gotta back this up a little bit um back to remember, the guy at the flea market mm-hmm. he never had the cases or the manuals or anything but i actually had an a, um, a north american demon's crest cartridge Oh God. And I had no idea how to play it, but I put a shit ton of hours into that game, just not knowing where to go and not knowing what to do. Um, but I guess if I had to pick the game that I had the most hours in on, um, the release year of Pokemon blue, my parents got me a game boy color and Pokemon blue. So like six year old me on like the cusp of learning how to read was just skipping all of the text in this RPG and having no idea where to go and put like Does hundreds the text
1: really matter in a Pokemon game
0: Well, I mean, it, it helps when you know that you have to go to the gyms or like what type something is, but uh
1: eventually no, you wander in there, it's fine.
0: I put hundreds, hundreds of
1: type advantage
0: hundreds of hours into Pokemon. like I would have to say probably Pokemon Blue as a kid. Pokemon Blue was probably my favorite game, and i I think part of the reason I liked it so much was my brother got a game boy Color and Pokemon Red, so it was like the first kind of thing that I didn't have to share. Okay. Like it was the I had this little Game Boy console and it was mine and this was my game. Whereas like everything else was kind of like the household console, right, that we shared with everybody else. Right. But this Game Boy was mine and this game, this Pokemon Blue was mine.
1: I don't think we had a color that I can remember. I know we had an advance, we had a SP, we had yeah. everything through that. I also never really got into Pokemon, like. Ever throughout yeah. my
2: life, I kind of skipped
0: that that phase yeah, it's just probably because you didn't have a game boy color like from that was probably the
1: exact reason
0: like a lot of the people that I know it was make or break like if you had a game boy color and you got the first Pokemon, like you were playing Pokemon, and if you skipped that, nobody started like i mean people who were younger might have started at silver, but like people our age if you didn't get blue you didn't get gold or silver like you just missed the boat more
1: or less i did you you were playing other things it's true i was playing other things i was probably at was the color around the time of n64 uh the color the
0: the color was 98 so around n64 times N n64 i think was like 99 maybe n64 so, 96 yeah.
1: 96 so. 96 okay yeah. so yeah i was playing like we used to play a lot of mario kart with the family yep. forget so now we're getting into n64 a lot of mario kart i watched a lot of ocarina of time as a child the redead scared me so much <laughs> that i didn't really get past sun song grave yeah um yep. yeah there was a lot of that Star Fox 64
0: i played a lot of that game
1: probably one of my more, most played just because of the amount of time i went back to it
0: we got the N64 late. We definitely did not get the N64 on launch. If I had to guess, I'd say we probably got the N64 in 99. Um, which When did the GameCube come out? Because we had it for quite a while before the GameCube came out. So that's kind of going to help me determine when I got this. Uh, so, no, the GameCube came out in 2001 in Japan. North America was also 2001, so we probably got our N64 in like maybe 98, but like we had it for a couple of years before GameCube came out. Because I, I remember, remember we couldn't get a GameCube at launch because again we live in a little
1: shitty place. <laughs> I think we got a GameCube around launch. We got it, it was soon after. Exactly. we got it around, yeah. But like, we were we were very very much mainstream Nintendo household, like. Yep. Mar- mario zelda um other mario games like all the spin-off mario golf star fox all that kind of thing
0: another memory i have like a vivid memory is like not understanding the point or how to play hey you pikachu but talking to pikachu for hours do you remember that game
1: no because like we we missed pokemon not because so we weren't one of the families that were like yeah. religiously against pokemon it just yeah. we just missed it the whole family just missed it yeah for no specific region reason <laughs> i had friends that were like pokemon is the devil
0: so there I was there was this game that came out called hey you pikachu and it came with this like adapter that was like this big ish and yeah in that adapter you would plug in a microphone and you could talk in it and it would send like a little bubble over to Pikachu and he would react to voice commands. But I don't I don't really know what the game was about or what you had to do. Like we had no idea you would. Just, we was would it just... a
1: game or was it more of like a, a showing off what something can do? Like it was, was it a the, tech demo.
0: No, no, there was a, It was a full game. I just don't know what it was about. Huh. I have no idea what the point of the game was at all. Um but we we played it. We had that. Um we also had the Pokemon Stadium stuff with like the Game Boy Player and like we had a lot of really weird gadgets for N sixty four.
1: I think we didn't have any extra gadgets. I mean we had the what was it, the expansion card. It yeah. was the the thing that came. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we had the Game Boy expansion Player, card. the hey the Hey you Pikachu thing.
1: Yeah. Game Boy player for the GameCube.
0: There was a Game Boy, and I don't remember if it only did Pokemon games or not, but it worked with Pokemon Stadium, and it went in where like the Rumble Pack would go in the memory card, and you could put a Game Boy game in it, and you could trade Pokemon in Pokemon Stadium.
2: That's interesting. Never knew that. Well, another
1: not yeah. not so played game. I don't know if you ever played 1080 Avalanche.
0: Is that a Never snowboarding? Never
1: in my life. Snowboard,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: But it was a fun game because it was unrealistic as could be and that was just great for me yeah loved it
0: n64 had a lot of hours for us we got when we got our n64 it came with uh super smash brothers and and that was oh, just on that was just unreal like <laughs> that was like that was like the first like real multiplayer experience like you think of like snes and stuff like for the most part it was take turns or like barely be able to move away from the other guy
1: was the the real first multi and then super smash brothers came that was more i guess america was a little competitive but yeah no i see what you're talking about i get you
0: and that was huge and we had perfect dark and like golden eye never
1: played perfect dark
0: perfect dark does not hold up but if you could go back in time and play that game, it was amazing.
1: And it's also, just... Also, GoldenEye only played it at friends' houses.
0: I remember another vivid memory I have is our next-door neighbors had two TVs that they had like set up to like split and display the same thing. So like, when we would go over to their house to play GoldenEye, you didn't have to have four people huddled around one TV. Two people would sit back-to-back, back, and then like nice. they could look at separate tv even though all four screens they like, all four things were still on both screens you didn't have to like gather right. around like a little like 24 inch tv
2: that that sounds just great but perfect so, yeah, dark actually, like
1: mario kart same thing everyone's huddled around this little yeah because tvs are so small they weren't yeah. that small
0: perfect dark great game don't play it now same with goldeneye if you play goldeneye now like every shooter for the n64 was like basically terrible controls wise yeah and that just kind of really hurts it going back we had pilot wings um that was a game
1: (laughs) (laughs) that was a game what kind of game was it rufus
0: it was a flight sim for N. you don't know pilot wings
1: no, I know what it is, but okay. I wanted to describe because he said it was a game. I want to, I want to hear oh, the yeah, details. No. I never played it, was, it but I know what it
0: is. It was a flight sim and it really freaking sucked. It's <laughs> <As laughs> like a kid. You're just like, you could get up in the air and you could fly through all the things that they wanted you to. Do and every time you would crash, like, nice. it was, it was just so picky on the landing portion. Like everything else, like you could miss by like a little bit and it'd be like, yeah, you're doing great. And then you go to land and you'd be off by like a pixel and you just crash. It's like (laughs) I just spent twenty minutes in the air looping around to get the perfect pattern. I almost ran out of gas and then I crashed. (laughs) This is bullshit. This is
1: crap. It's the worst. Paper Mario. That's a game for the N sixty four. I had that that a lot. My brother hated it.
0: Oh no.
1: I liked it and I played it.
0: There were there were a lot of good games. Original Mario Party, original Mario Golf. Um, yeah
1: well oh, party I, I don't agree with you as much Tom.
0: so i feel like this is a maybe it's just like the people that i know but i feel like everybody had this game and everybody played this game but nobody liked it the star wars pod racing game yes
2: it I, was bad
0: everybody had it but, everybody so like, played rogue it rogue
1: squadron came out first and it was really good and it was yeah. a star wars game and so everyone was like let's buy this and this has to be good right because it's star wars and it yep. wasn't
0: and then pod racer came out after that
1: which I'm, that's what i was saying the one that wasn't yeah squadron was really good rogue okay
0: oh, okay i never played that one
1: Rogue squadron was a great game pod but... racer was not
0: Everybody had it though. Everybody. I don't know a single person who's like every time I bring like talk about that, they're like, oh, oh. But they know what I'm talking about, so you know they played it, right? Yeah. I don't remember what it was actually called, but everybody knows it as Pod Racer. It might have just been called Episode One or something like that. But... I
1: think it's Episode One Pod Racer.
0: Okay. Oh, what a terrible game.
1: It was. It was a bad game. It was not a good game at all. But everyone played it.
0: I remember getting that game for like two or three (laughs) dollars. That was probably too much. Another game that I feel like everybody has played, and I, I there, there's a joke to this game that like I'm even now I'm still like, but why? Uh, Clay Fighter sixty three and a third.
1: Never played it.
0: Oh man. It was like a Mortal Kombat style game. Yeah. But everybody was a clay figurine. Uh, I'll I'll bring I'll bring I'll bring it up because because you you've never seen it.
1: I've Never seen it.
0: Um, but uh, it was called. I don't know if there was any other clay fighter games before this, but it was called Clay Fighter sixty three and a third, <laughs> just so it wouldn't be sixty four, I guess. And uh,
1: trying to be all fancy.
0: It was a uh,
1: long play.
0: This okay. is the ga- this is the game. <laughs> so it's Jack Frost versus some guy.
1: <laughs> Why does this game exist?
0: I don't know. But this was another game that like just kind of everybody
1: had. <laughs> like I don't even understand. I Why think, is Jack Frost beating the Clay-ality? Clay-ality. I,
0: feel like, I feel like it's just, like, that that bunny, that's the guy that I always played. I forget what his what name is, is. Jack Frost.
1: At the Clay-nival. But, Clay- I don't... Yeah. I could voice over this game.
0: Oh, yeah, totally.
1: <laughs> Can you just pull a carrot out of his chest and eat it? Yep. That's not how things work. But I, uh. That's not realistic.
0: I'm pretty sure <laughs> what happened here is Mortal Kombat came out, and somebody saw a way to capitalize on this in a way that kids could play it. Because there's no blood, there's no gore, it's just clay. Um. True. So, looking at the Wikipedia article, apparently there were two games before this. For. Uh. This is the third installment of the Clay Fighter series and the first not to be released on the Super Nintendo. The title is a parody of the common 64 suffix on N64 games. Um, it was negatively received by critics for its gameplay, animation, and AI, because
1: it was bad. It looked like it was bad. I actually never played it.
2: It was
0: your standard. Like I don't think. Like personally, I don't think it was any worse than like the way old. Side fighters worked like. Oh yeah,
2: Earthworm Jim was in the game. What? What? Yeah. He was. A, he How was did a. They play- get- How?
0: Well, who made the game? Let's see. Interplay Productions. They might have
2: made I, Earthworm Jim. Didn't intellivision television make Inter Earthworm Jim? I don't know anymore, man. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, they made Earth. They made Earthworm Jim.
1: Why would they make a game like Earthworm Jim and then make a game like Clay Fighters?
0: They're also the creator of Fallout and the publisher of
2: Baldur's Gate. Was oh, the initial, the first Fallout? Yep. Yep. I've never actually played through the entirety of Fallout One and Two. I had a hard time coming back to it okay so it on its release so these were the characters bad mr frosty
0: the fighting snowman
2: nice
0: blob who was literally just a blob i like um, it bonker who was a clown sold um earthworm jim hoogan okay. uh hoogan was the the guy that you saw fighting the snowman the first time or wait no story Bad Mr. Frosty, the fighting snowman was an evil Santa Claus, Ichabod Clay was the guy that we saw he- w- I think <laughs> then there was a uh, Kung pao who was a Chinese chef, T Hoppy, the battle Bunny, that was the battle Bunny.
1: Wait a minute, okay, step back a bit. Bad Mr. Frosty, the fighting snowman was voiced by Jim Cummings,
2: yeah what. Yeah,
1: he's done everything, and a, and a, he's voiced multiple characters in this game.
2: Yep. What? The voice Winnie of the Pooh. Why?
0: The freaking voice of Darkwing Duck, everybody. And Winnie the Pooh. And Winnie the Pooh. <clears throat> but okay. uh, but but yeah. yeah that's... No, I honestly thought everybody had seen or played that game before. No. Uh,
1: Oh my god. Why does it I just not have a question anymore? Moving on from Play Fighter sixty three and a third.
0: So so the last kind of segment we had for this, and we're kind of running out of our allotted time for this section. What do you think was like the most influential game that you played? So like something that like you know you couldn't get enough of that game or like it was really good and it can be from like whenever it doesn't even have to be nostalgic like what do you think is like that game where it was like i want to play more? what the
1: top game i've ever played is
0: most in, so i guess what like shaped the way that you like to play video games now or kind of gave you your oh, taste okay. like you know what influenced your playing the most and how you perceive video games and rate them like shaped you as a gamer
1: There Are multiple because of multiple. I can have one for a couple genres, yeah. That's okay. The past is going to be one for adventure because I play it like almost all the time and it's a classic. Hollow Knight's one for Metroidvania because I think that they took the genre and they just did so many amazing things with it, yep. That it a lot of things should strive to be like that. That's fair. And then another, like another one that I actually haven't played on stream that I think shaped the roguelite genre that I played was uh Hades. Oh yeah. I highly recommend. I think it, that a lot of roguelite or a lot of games like that should strive to be like Hades or like a similar should learn from that. Cause it, it just, it was a great game. It had, it, it kept you coming back every single time, even though the loops were, you were just going through the similar process. It was still fun every time. Yep. Um, but yeah. But I
2: just <laughs> picked three. I think for me it's it's got to be Tales of Symphonia. Like Never played.
0: That was like there were games with story before that. I'm not trying to say that there wasn't, but that was like the first game where the story it felt interactive and there's no way that it was. Like it wasn't really an interactive story, but like that game had like real plot twists and it wasn't just, it didn't feel like it was a game to me anyway. It felt like it was like a show or like an anime. And I was like interacting with that show and doing out the battles. Like it felt like there was a real world there and it felt like the characters and their dialogue and what they were doing actually meant something. And that was like the first time where I played a game that was like, holy shit. Like this is like, this is like a plot twist. Like, They've just there's turned the
1: plot here.
0: Yeah. There's actually a plot and they're actually changing it. And like, things are happening around the world. So like, you'll be doing something in one part of the world and something else will be happening and you'll come back and kind of see the aftermath of that. And it was like, wow. But it's not really like, you know, other games, where, like You just have like your main quest and you're just going and you never really hear of anything, but like there was character development and like, it just, it actually felt like a show. So like from there it was like, oh maybe I should play some RPGs.
1: Maybe I should play RPGs. I actually forget what my first RPG was. It's probably a Final <laughs> Fantasy, which really wasn't yep. like there was no the first Final Fantasy stories were kind of pretty straightforward.
0: Other than games that I dabbled with, um I think my my first real Final Fantasy like playing it was the one with bv the mage and zidane i think it, that might have been six Is that nine no maybe nine
2: yes definitely was six. yeah
0: no it's it was nine and that's kind of why i don't have any nostalgia for seven like <laughs> nine just graphically looked much better and in my opinion better and i didn't really have seven to compare it to either right i was just searching it to see its release date which was the year 2000 and i got a news story um final fantasy 9 the animated series is gonna be a thing nice let's Um, hope it's
2: actually good
0: yeah it looks like maybe 2023 so it's still a long ways off yet but um it looks like that's probably going to be a thing. That's cool. I had no idea.
2: Well, there we go. Figure out something new today.
0: Yeah. Always something to do.
2: Always something to do.
0: Okay, but the real reason everybody's here, the dungeon, the dungeon side of things.
1: The dungeons. What about the dragons? I think we're, we're missing out on the dragons here, too. Oh, like, dragons sometimes kill people. You gotta people. get dragons there, due. Well, yeah, that's the point, Rufus. That's what we're going over today. What happens? <laughs> Oh, yeah.
0: What happens when a dragon swallows you whole?
1: So, you die because you go to zero hit points, and then you have to roll death saving throws. Or... And when you fail three of them, you die.
0: Or they do double your max hit points and you don't even get to do saving throw.
1: That doesn't tend to happen unless it's a very low level, but yes, that can yeah. ha- that can happen that's a rare much rarer case yeah, and then your character's dead. What do you do, Rufus, when you kill off
2: a character? What are your thoughts what do you what do you do all over what I do? what do you do? I'm sure no so we' actually killed off a character <laughs> I think but I thought about. It.
0: I've never intentionally killed off a character. Um, sure. but when a character dies, there's a couple of things that have to happen. Uh, you have to think about, was that supposed to be a possibility? because uh, <laughs> if it wasn't, uh, you need to figure out why that happened and do some kind of a post-mortem. So it doesn't happen again. Uh, The second thing you got to figure out is why did you let it happen? Because you did. Um, (laughs) I'm not making a good case for myself here, but. Why did um, you do this? So in my case, I was rolling in front of everybody and I couldn't suppress the damage because I rolled it in front of everybody. (laughs) And I couldn't be like, oh, he rolled a 10. It was like, no, that's 50.
1: (laughs) yeah um, it was also a one shot which is the worst place to kill someone randomly like right near the end of the of the like it was a the, one of the worst places in a one shot to be like okay reroll the character
0: yeah it kind of sucked
2: um but i think that killing a character off needs to be impactful um
1: yes
0: so unless you're rolling all of your damage In front of your characters and can't really be a liar um i think your typically best your best bet is to try to retune things on the fly because death should be a consequence not an accident um there is a there is a time for death and it's not punishing your players but if your players are stupid enough to go attack something five times their level maybe they deserve to die or at least go unconscious. Like if there's warning signs, like dying should be a consequence. Um, it shouldn't be an accident. Now there's sometimes you get into a hard encounter and somebody will die, but that's the consequence of being the hero. That's the consequence of, you know, potentially saving the world, right? That, that death needs to pay something off. In my opinion. So like, if you, if you look at it, like they shouldn't go die to, inconsequential goblins in a cave somewhere right they should die with honor trying to do something big and that should be a price that's paid and a consequence that happened and the rest of the world is going to have to live with the fact that this character died and their death should be impactful <laughs> is what i guess what i'm trying point to point say that's Eugene gene rufus um <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh <laughs> He was a meme, it was, and
1: <laughs> it was it was funny because you really tried to suppress the role, but you couldn't because we saw it happen. Like, yeah, you didn't want it to happen.
0: As soon as I saw that he crit, I knew.
1: You're like, was... oh boy.
0: Yeah, I was like, oh, oh. No. Um, basically, what happened was I put them in this dungeon, and I had the the big bad of the whole adventure summon these big things that, and the reason I did it this way was. They were purposefully larger than the corridors, meaning there's no way they could have gotten there other than someone had put them there or summoned them there. And it just I was just looking through different things that were big that were, you know, probably going to pose a bit of a challenge. And I wasn't, you know, necessarily fully reading everything about them. And then he crit (laughs) and did like 44
1: damage or something like that. That was more than 44 damage. He, He did a lot of damage. And also the thing is, is his necrotic sting, if you his if necrotic it drops st- you to zero hit points, then you're dead. There is no saving throws. There's no none yeah. of that.
0: Yeah, well, I, I guess the way it worked was the necrotic points lowers your maximum amount of hit points. And if it lowers your maximum hit points to zero, you're insta-dead. Yeah. And he had done that.
2: He um, did exactly
0: that. <laughs> So Gene's consequence was simply existing as a meme, I guess. Um Gene was not a bad character. He, he was not crit. He was not, but he was directly the whole campaign was a meme, so it's kind of a really well, shitty yeah, answer. Yeah, it's
1: the pick of destiny.
0: No, no, it wasn't. That that that's copyright. Plug, that, that, yeah, determination. Yeah, Jack Black, please don't sue me. <laughs> Jack um, Black don't sue. Jack Black, have mercy on my soul.
1: Um, (laughs) i
2: just got called from his lawyer he's suing you
0: well you'll probably get a call from snl here pretty soon will ferrell's lawyer is gonna call you up
1: (laughs) but wait a minute gene frankel was a real person just not that person yeah um but like okay death yeah what happens when a character dies and you're like hey this happened. It it happens. You you roll it. You say yep. the last death the last death save fails. Only like that happens, and it's like well, such and such breathed their last breath. How do you play it up? You you gotta you gotta oh. make it sad. You gotta make it impactful, like you were saying. Like as a DM, if someone dies, you don't want to just be like, and they're dead. Move on. It's <laughs> like and their last breath while fighting this terrible creature to help the rest of their friends stay alive has been breathed
0: yeah or something
1: similar to that
0: and and i think the big thing is like you like i said it's really got to be impactful so you can't you can't really let them die to kobolds like you just you you just can't there's no way to make that impactful um, yeah. So like their death needs to matter and their death needs to live on in the world. And people need to hear about it. And that character has to have mattered. Otherwise, if your character didn't matter in death, why are the other characters doing this thing? Right. So you're building this adventure where you have to go stop. Um, Jimmy John from resurrecting Vecna. Um, if you die to kobolds and nobody knows your name, why is everybody else doing this? Right. Why is everybody putting their life on the line to go get a bag of gold from seven kobolds? Right. So <laughs> when, when that happens, you really need to ask yourself, okay, why did this happen? And maybe that, maybe there has to be some more backstory written if it's not going to be an impactful death. So like, let's say, um, let's say Greg, uh, the monk, is at level 2 and he gets ambushed by some goblins and he gets murdered. Um really early in the campaign. That's so not
1: impactful. Level 1's hard. It is. If you're talking about early in the campaign because you can just die and it just feels
0: I feel like as like a DM though, nothing. I feel like as a DM level 1 through 3 is where you're supposed to pull punches and make the party feel wrong. Yes you shouldn't let them die but if it happens um, if you're
1: rolling out in the open and it happens
0: i feel like at that point what you need to do is go back and rewrite a story as to why these goblins targeted this guy intentionally and maybe he targeted them intentionally because the goblins had already gone to that guy's hometown and they'd already killed his parents and somehow through torture, found out that he had something that they really wanted, and then they came after him and they killed him. And then he didn't just like randomly die to random goblins in the woods, right? He was hunted yeah. down and he was prey, and th- these goblins had an objective. It still sucks, and that guy is gonna have to re-roll another character because I'm not gonna res him. Um, I don't like doing that. Um,
1: but yeah. He- resurrection set so,
0: yeah you got to find a way to work it right it can't just be and you went to like 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 in the campaign we were doing um where you go get a wagon wheel from a goblin brigade you can't just die there and it's like oh we went to go get a wheel and he died like he just hearty he looked pretty winded at the mouth of the cave maybe he had a heart defect i don't like you know <laughs> you can't let it go like that. Yeah.
1: If yeah.
0: It, if it's not, it's impactful, not
1: impactful,
0: if it's not impactful, you have to make it make sense. Um, yeah. So like I said, torturing found out that, you know, this little trinket that he had on him was actually something that the goblins really wanted. And maybe they're on some quest to please a, a hobgoblin war chief who want, you know, maybe you just, Turn your whole adventure on its side and you end up with a new adventure out of it somehow. <laughs> really, like it
1: But it's it, something to make the player not feel like they just died for literally no reason because a coblin crit them out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's and in my opinion, it's a little less important when you're playing with, you know, more seasoned players and you're rolling in front of everybody and they just kinda know going into it that they could die, especially if you've kind of told them up front this isn't gonna be an easy one, you could die. Um, I feel like adding that story benefited well it's good and it like progresses everything I feel like it's more important for a new player to not die in vain than a seasoned veteran like I know full, any combat I go into I could die
2: yeah there's a little little little
1: tip for for new DMs if you're worried about you know properly making death a, 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 a proper send off practice with an NPC as far as afterwards so like when we played last time um the end of season one for my campaign i had two card drivers die and that was the first actual i think somber thing that we did over the course of the entire campaign because we are a very light group and it was a nice little little show now i you know? i
0: need to i need to call this out i did not expect to get personally attacked <laughs> For recommending cremation.
1: I didn't think about rolling with it until. So I mean, there are there are reasons. It you're gonna have to trust me on this one. I'm
0: sure there are reasons, and, but like I did also, not expect that. I didn't
1: expect, I didn't expect Mega to also like I didn't expect everyone else to also attack you.
0: Everybody just piled on. You're just like, what is wrong with you? And I was just like, it's a normal thing where I'm from like people get cremated sometimes and we're short on time <laughs> let's just poof them and move on we'll get some urns Ugh. i did not expect everyone to be so opposed to that like i figured maybe right. maybe phase would be for you know maybe a story driven reason
1: right but everyone else i was kind of surprised when like phase i think phase started with the kind of like we shouldn't i don't know, actually it was mega. i think that first yeah he he time, was like, just like phase no <laughs> i
0: was
1: like <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was like why uh, oh
2: my god! But yeah, yeah, like I had to call. Those that were it.
1: two characters <laughs> I was saying afterwards. So like, as a DM, you as your NPC in your story, you know is going to die, so you're able to kind of plan ahead. Mm-hmm. You know that. I was actually kind of happy when someone said that they really liked the two characters a little bit earlier on, and I had a little yep. bit of an evil laugh because Dungeon Masters. But it was it was a cool way. Something like that's a good way to practice your death of a character that wasn't they weren't as meaningful as a character as far as death goes but you're able to kind of rp out what would happen if someone died and all of that like the story of someone dying you play up the npc deaths a little bit and that gives you a little bit of a good hmm so what happens if i kill this player because the fireball crit- so, or it, fireball does a ton of damage
2: or
0: a really good way to and this is again i guess more of a practice scenario, but one shots are a really good practice ground for killing characters because if they die at the very end, achieving their goal, you get that big impactfulness right so like a couple like a really good example of that is if you go back and watch the Christmas special oh, we it's... we did this year, um I think two characters actually died on the end of that
1: the but the only reason. Yeah, two of them died at the very end, and the only reason that I think Gorgath was his name, Gorgath Doorbarge, um, lived is because he went unconscious, not on the sleigh, because he yeah. would have been on the sleigh for sure.
0: Yeah. So like, but the but the idea there was that like, so for anyone who hasn't seen it, basically the characters are trying. It's it's a big tongue in cheek gag at uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas, and it's how. It's called How Orcus Stole Christmas, and they get to the end, and they're fighting Orcus Claws, and he's on this big sleigh. And in the adventure, it doesn't talk about what happens if the characters jump onto the sleigh, and the spell actually takes off, and they're on the sleigh with Orcus. Um, it talks about Orcus trying to self-destruct and kill himself, but it doesn't talk about like what happens, because the person who wrote it assumed the characters wouldn't be there at that time. That he would just get away or something. So I wrote out that, you know, the sleigh explodes in the middle of the air, and while Orcas dies and all this happens, these two guys die. But there's a lesson there, and it's kind of the idea of I'm gonna go a bit off topic here, so just stop go me over. if I go if I go too far off topic. But in I was reading somewhere that in the original writings of uh Dragon Ball Z, the original series was supposed to end. When Goku dies trying to kill Frieza and the idea was that he made the ultimate sacrifice to save the universe and that's where it was supposed to end was, was with him giving his life to save everybody else and it was ultimate power comes with ultimate sacrifice to save the whole universe and that that's kind of the idea here is that like they sacrifice themselves to kill Orcus and it's this big impactful statement at the end of a one shot that can be a really good way to practice if you need to kill somebody off, do it at the end of a one shot because, A, it's over. Um, B, they're fighting the final boss. That's as impactful as it's going to get. Is there? It's not like the final boss is the guy that you're trying to get change from at the grocery store who never gives change to somebody. Like it's, like I it's mean, th-
1: <laughs> that could be a final boss in real life. It could be.
0: But like it's not like you tried to pay in pennies and he wouldn't let you. Like like the end of the campaign is usually big, right? It's not usually something inconsequential. So somebody dying on the final um portion of something is a way for them to go out impactfully. It's a way that the story doesn't necessarily have to progress without them either and you don't have to write somebody new in. Um so if you do need to practice it, um there's a lot of one-shots that purposefully end with people dying, so you can, you can practice with that. Um, yeah.
1: And like, on, the, on the thought of practice too, I wanted to go back just a little bit before the Orcus, because Ren made yep. a really good point. Um Character, like, even the death of NBC can be good character building too. Yeah. As far as we we had that night, characters that weren't very back back to last night, we had our druid, which was mm-hmm. very in, inward-thinking, very, you know, very obstinate, because that's, that's the character. She played it very well. And then that death kind of made... And she was having a bit of a fight with the cleric, and that death kind of... The death brought... The death of the NPC brought them together a little bit as far mm-hmm. as it made them not be as angry at each other. It kind of fleshed out their characters a little bit to be more than just, like, stubborn people. It, yeah. it brought... It brings people together, and that'll that'll happen if a character dies, too. Chances are if a character dies in a campaign, it's going to bring, in an impactful moment, it's going to bring people together and make them fight harder. It should. It should, unless they're a bad character. Yeah. But there's, there's also the thing, so back to character death specifically, mm-hmm. there's the part after that where you don't want that player person to feel like they're, well, they're just done. Yeah. Well, my character died. Goodbye, everybody. I'm leaving the group. You don't want that.
0: And the Probably. big, the big thing to remember there, and I think I've said it, I said it last episode, and I'm, you're gonna hear me say this like, I don't know. Maybe I'll make a highlight video at the end of the year of me saying this every and single time. Your I'm job? Is bad. <laughs> Damn, he said it, again. Um, I said it again. Good thing that word's not trademarked. Your job <laughs> is the dungeon master is to tell an interactive story it's not to win it's not to lose it's not to combat and it's not to trick it's to tell an interactive story that the players want to be a part of because if the players aren't having fun you're not playing just go play an rpg if you want to min max your bad guys to make it a really hard encounter and you don't care if your players are having fun go play an rpg go do something else your job is to facilitate their fun so when they die I'm not saying they should have fun dying, but they should be having enough fun with that adventure that they're asking you about an ex character. You shouldn't be offering that up to them unless it's their first time ever playing and they don't know. You shouldn't be offering to let them make a new character. They should already have it half created in their head because they, they need to know how the story goes. They're having so much fun with the rest of it that they want to be involved.
1: And yeah, and a really good thing to do is as they're making that character, like work with them on how it's going to be coming into the story. Like sit down and get that character involved in their backstory and how mm-hmm. they're going to turn part of the party. And like, it's really good to get on that rather than say goodbye to the player or not say anything like, get right on that. Be like, hey, what next character looking great. Let's do this and see what we can get him into the story, and let's just roll with it. Next week, you'll be right back. Not even a hiccup.
0: And I think my favorite way to do that is to have the new character guide the next quest. Have that character hire the party to do something in that town. So, like, he's involved because now he, you know, give him a bunch of, like, don't give the character, like, a whole bunch of extra gold because they could sell it, but, like, allow him to pay the party a sum. Or, like something and during the course of that adventure have that new character now go into debt to that character by like saving his life or something so like that character right off the bat kind of gets to control the story a little bit so that it's not really a perk to dying but it's something that the rest of the party definitely doesn't feel like they can do they don't get to lead the expedition and be like hey look i need help with this this is my quest and you can almost kind of work with them to help them build that quest that their character wants to do And hire the party for it. That can be a really good way to, you know, bring the new guy in to the party and allow the person who died to kind of get their bearings. This is their quest, this is their adventure. Now, while you're still building the encounters, there has to be some communication. Let them drive the story for a
2: session.
1: Yeah. That way they feel that they're coming right back in. The character has some form of impact right off the bat, and they're back
0: and they can't make a mistake like it's their story right so like let's say i have yeah. a a goblin encounter like let's say i don't know let's say the guy gets into town and he was mugged on the way here and he wants to go get revenge on those goblins all have the goblin encounter built but that doesn't mean i know what the goblins did to him or you know maybe he, they took an heirloom that i'm gonna call a trinket later like let him run with that what happened are you okay um where did they flee to? They fled to the north. Okay, cool. Now I got to think of a city to the <laughs> north. Like you know, let let them come up with the story and I it what I have found is that that helps them get invested in that character right away cuz if they've played that character like levels 1 through 4, let's say it can sometimes be hard to not, you know, like let, let's say I had Gorgoth Dorbarger, the half-orc barbarian. It's going to be a Goliath. I'm just making this up at this point. I'm using that name. <laughs> but uh, I have Gorgoth, the half-orc barbarian, and now that he's dead, I have Bargborth, the fighter. Like, it it can sometimes be hard to not just build the same character again. Um, But, like, allowing them to tell that story kind of gets them right into their character right away.
1: So, like, let's take a step back here. I'm pretty sure you told me that if Spaguglio ever dies, you're just making another Spaguglio. <laughs> i believe we've had this conversation Uh, i i have a building the same character i i have
0: i have a bunch of other ideas but oh okay i i just like that i don't even have to think about what i'm going to say with Spaguglio. you're just as surprised as i am at what comes out of his mouth and it's great um it's great i like i like playing characters like that because it's liberating like yeah the whole point of that character is that, like, he doesn't know what he's going to say, so, like, I can say something stupid. And, like, it's fine. It's it's, it's on and point. it happens a
1: lot. And it's funny.
0: It, it does. And that's because I'm very good at starting a sentence and just letting it figure out where it wants to go. But, like, you kind of get better at that when you're a DM and someone's like, well, what's behind that door? And you're like a uh, table <laughs> you
1: know like, you kind of get in two chairs and a half elf <laughs> there, now it's a room yeah what's the half elf's name i'm out
0: <laughs> you kind of get better at that while you're dming so like Spaguglio, it's like, man, I could like take my headset off and then just like come back and have no idea what you guys are talking about, and I could still play Spaguglio because chances you are he wasn't. Yeah, just... Well, chances are he wasn't listening, so. <laughs> no,
1: no, no. <laughs> Thinking about what Scooglio wants
2: to think about, whatever <laughs> that is. Oh my god. Yep. Oh my god. <laughs> so now let me talk about death bring people back
1: in over there's there's the opposite so there's like death happens and it's impactful but then there's resurrection effects and spells what are your thoughts on this um on resurrection
0: spells i don't think you should ever be in a position where they can use them on the party what I mean by that is, if they have Revivify, your characters shouldn't be dying. Something much worse should be happening to them because dying's not a consequence anymore. Remember I said in the beginning, dying should be a consequence. If dying's not a consequence, like Revivify is great for saving key NPCs and like doing stuff like that. You should not really be using Revivify on your party. But that's really good for the Oops he crit. You know, it's kind of good for that. But like. Oopsie. But, like, by the time you get Revivify, you shouldn't be in a position where dying is the worst thing that can happen to you anymore. Like,
1: (laughs) does that make sense? Revivify is third level. level.
0: But, like, third level spell slot is, like, level six. Five. Right? Five? So, like... By the time you're level 5, you shouldn't be afraid of dying anymore. You should be afraid of your soul going into purgatory for eternal damnation, but you're not actually dead. Like, you know, the stakes are higher now than dying. Now that you've overcome death, there needs to be something worse. So what's worse than death? Your soul is in an eternal purgatory where Revivify can't get you, and maybe the entire party has to go on an adventure into hell to find you. Like... There needs to be something bigger than death. If you can just... Oh, I'm not dead now. Then you need something bigger than death. You need something more or
1: impactful. So the other way... And you can sit down with your players beforehand and say... If you're going to pick or a resurrection... There's going to be a process to go through to res. There's not going to be like you can just instantly resurrect. Like, there's going to be a whole process to go through. And you can kind of make your own resurrection rules... Rather than saying you die now we need to go through a which is totally fine going through an entire yeah. side quest but like so the reason i
0: like keeping revivify as written is i'd always like them to be able to use it on the mayor of a city or an npc that they killed that now maybe they want to res and try to recruit onto their side so i want it to be easy enough that they can push a story with it And I want it to be there for a situation where somebody accidentally dies and I didn't really want them to die. So, yeah, just pop them back up because it's better story building if they're still here. Um, So I just like to have a worse consequence. um, Because there always has to be consequence. If the worst consequence in D&D is death, but you're talking about the entire world, like, like, like. In some of the campaigns, it's like the entire world will be destroyed. Death doesn't really matter at that point, because if you die, there's going to be someone almost as strong to take your place. And so like best case scenario, like you save the world, but like if you don't save the world it automatically goes to you're dead anyway, because they're going to kill everybody So the death is now less impactful because either everybody dies or nobody dies, but there's no middle ground where your party can actually have an impact without everybody dying, which is also why I don't like the ultimatum of the entire world will be destroyed. I feel like that also takes away from the impact of death. Oh, okay. So I died, but like, If anything happens along the way and everybody dies, did it really matter that I died? Like, I should just do everything I can because the odds are stacked against me and I either die or I die. You know what I mean?
2: Or you live.
0: But, like, from the character perspective, that should be slim. Like, they shouldn't be thinking, we're definitely going to do this. They should be thinking in their head maybe if we sacrifice a couple of us, everybody can live. Like that should be like the rational person's thought process. Like if you're thinking from like, not the player, but the character, they shouldn't think that the deck is stacked in their favor in any way. The character should think they're probably going to die and it's probably going to be the ultimate sacrifice and people are going to live. But if the ultimatum to that is just everybody's going to die, then why would you ever hold back? Because if you don't win, you're dead, right? Right.
1: But saying that there's also no one other than the the party to deal with anything. Yeah. So I guess my counterpoint to that is saying that there's a, a yes or a no. You also could say from the character perspective that they're helping and there will be someone else's whose jobs will be easier to make the world not end if they go and do their thing. I think there is middle I think you're missing that there is a middle ground there. It's not like you die or everyone die you die and everyone dies or you die and you die. It's you can die to help other people. It's not like your death as a character from the character perspective is the world dies if you die. You also could look at it and the character look at it as their death doesn't mean the end of the world. It just means maybe you're helping someone else who might come in their place.
0: Yeah. I guess what I'm what I'm thinking, though, is like I'm trying to rationalize this as a character, which is if I don't go as hard as I can, even if that means death, everybody could die. So it's almost like you have three doors and in two of them you die. But in one of them you live. As opposed to like if I didn't have the threat of the entire world going to die death becomes more impactful now because instead of a 33% or instead of a 66% chance of death, you're back to like 50, 50. Maybe I'm weird here. Maybe I'm the weird one here.
2: I'm just not getting the, I'm not getting the, the, where you're getting
1: the lessened impact of death.
0: So like if the big bad's plan is to kill absolutely everybody and the party does nothing, the party dies. Like, if the party never gets together, they die. So their character is born to die at that point, assuming there was no other party around to deal with the threat. So if the party takes on the idea of going to fight the thing, they could also die, which would be the same as doing absolutely nothing. So the death is less impactful, because even if they didn't go on the adventure, they would probably die.
2: If the big bad's plan is to just kill everybody in the whole world yeah i'm still not getting that so, so it, like i see where you're saying is
1: like they would die no matter what if they did nothing
2: yeah so in be, that
1: scenario
0: so because of that their death is less impactful because it was the same as if they did nothing they could have done nothing and died but instead they did a
1: little bit of stuff and died i think that's really a roundabout way of looking at it <laughs> like you're <laughs> looking, like you're looking for a reason to make it less impactful in your mind almost like i said you're, you're you're grasping at straws at that point so i also try
0: not to use the idea of they're going to kill everybody in the world i usually try to use things like they're going to rip open a void to another plane and make your life an absolute living hell um i like those types of evil bad guys because no like yeah you could die here but like if you do nothing you're gonna face a fear something worse than death if you do nothing it's worse than death it's just flat out worse so like it's not just there's two possible ways to get to the same ending the way it's kind of set up in my mind is like if the big bad is going to just destroy the world you have a 60 like just flat out of like the options available to you. Two of them are death and one of them is life. That's a sixty six percent chance of death. So like death is just a bigger percentage chance of happening to you, which makes it almost like eh, There was more than a fifty percent chance I would die anyway, so what does it matter that my character died? I could like I said, I could be the weird one here. All, but... <laughs> I could definitely be the weird one here, and I'm okay with that. Um But that's why yeah, I don't like revive. As as,
2: like, see, like I don't like revive
1: because I feel like death is impactful even if the Big Bad is going to kill everything, it's still like
2: I feel like your character would feel just I feel like it almost has, like, an apathy to
1: it. The whole, like... The method... What you were saying, almost kind of, like, you're expecting the main character to have an apathy. Like, to not care as much. Mm. I would die anyway if this happened. But the main characters tend to be driven to want to stop it.
2: They do. I don't think you're taking that into account. Yeah because the death if you so i'm not even looking
1: at the death if you do nothing because that's never going to happen unless you have a party of people that don't
2: care
0: yeah so that should never be an option but in a world i guess my viewpoint is in a world where you're probably going to die dying isn't as impactful because your character's already kind of expecting it if that makes a bit more sense If you know you're living on a time clock of one month to live and you've come to terms with the fact that you could die in a month, dying all of a sudden means less to you because you've already got this clock versus I never thought I could
2: die. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Okay. Like if the
0: thought of death never crossed their mind until they were knocked unconscious... Like, if you never thought, like, if you just thought that, yeah, we're going to get into this fight and, like, I'm a soldier and I'm going to do my best, that's different than, if I don't do this, we're screwed. Like, I'm, I think I'm coming back to my old point instead of rewording it, but it's like, it's the idea of, they haven't had a chance to come to terms with the fact that they might die.
1: I guess I'm also looking at a character probably has some connection to the world. So it's not like they're just thinking about their deaths when they're dying. They're also thinking about potentially everyone else they know dying. And that makes it more impactful because it anchors them and it also makes them want to stay alive. Not just be like, I'm going to probably die anyway. Oh, if I also fail, then these people die as well. Their death has impact because it affects other people as opposed to looking at specifically just the character dying.
2: And that is the only thing that the character is thinking about when it comes to death. Yeah. I see see your point. I guess I'm just expecting the character to have a broader
1: view than just self, but I mean, I guess there are selfish characters that would probably just have a solo view, and that would probably feel less impactful. But as, as long as the character is more fleshed out that the person is playing, chances are they'll have a attachment that they don't want to see die. And they'll do whatever they can, but they also want to come back to that person as well. So that also makes their death feel more impactful.
0: And I guess I'm not saying that their death can't be impactful. I guess what I'm saying is in a, in a world where death feels at the moment feels like a given... All of a sudden, somebody dying isn't unexpected anymore. And, like, the townspeople probably shouldn't be surprised by the fact that that guy died, because, like, they were crazy fools for doing it anyway.
2: Where there is death, I think death is to be expected. Because, like, if you look at, like, if I send... A 1,000
0: people out to fight a war, I expect some of those people will probably die. I shouldn't be surprised if those people die going to a war where there's going to be death. But if I send somebody out to go do something where they might have to fight, I'll be a bit more surprised if all of them die, because they weren't going out to fight a war. I'm not expecting so death.
1: Your first statement removes the human aspect of it, and you're just looking at it as a, a series. You're just looking at it as a series of percentages, then. Maybe. I think that's the, the thought. Your thought process of death not being impactful if the world was going to end is looking at it as a percentage. Because saying you know you send a thousand soldiers out and you're expecting some of them to die, there's still an impact for each one of their deaths because they still have an attachment to the world each person's death does have an impact so
0: their death would have impact on the people that they knew but would the world feel the impact of the death because i always like to feel like my party is bigger than life and they're bigger and grander than everything and that their death should impact the world and not just their loved ones like when well, these then we when... Can go
1: back to the fact that their death might make the world go yeah bye
2: so yes the impact on the world is actually huge yeah yeah. I guess I, what
1: I'm just getting is the whole 66 to 33 doesn't make sense to me because I think that the percentage is belittling the death, even though the death is still
2: impactful. It can I think it, just, it blows it a little bit out of proportion.
0: And I might be oversimplifying it, but... That's part of the reason why I don't use those types of villains is because I can't wrap my head around making it super impactful. But I I do I do understand where you're coming from.
1: I understand where you're coming from.
2: Yeah, sort
1: of. <laughs> so we we kind gotta... of got like resurrection effects. Yeah. Because that completely removes the impact of death. I actually just don't like Revivify. I think Revivify, maybe you can make it so on an NPC it's fine and you can use it. I feel like it belittles character deaths. In a world, let's yeah. just say, in a world where a death yeah. is impactful, Revivify, yep. it it makes you subconsciously want to meta-target the person with Revivify in the party, and that feels terrible. Like, you're not going to do that as a DM. If you're a good DM, you're not going to meta-target a player because they have Revivify um and and, but then when that doesn't happen and someone else dies and they just get revivified it's like okay you're back
0: and that's why i always try to almost up the ante if they're at a spot where they can cast revivify there should be something worse
2: than death so like revivify only works if they have all the body parts so
0: right there is an easy way to thwart revivify chops your arm off so now let's if you are level five you're probably fighting against things that are smart enough to know that revivify exists They know that revivify exists they they probably know that you need all the body parts so they can try to thwart that plan even if they just cut off the pinky finger
1: Revivify actually works. It doesn't restore the missing body parts. They would come back to life with the big pinky finger. I had to double check the 5e wording. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, that sounds right.
1: Now, that being said, if a body exploded in some way, shape, or form, now that's yeah. more of a permanent death, and there's no real... But that's, that's hard. If you do that, it's hard to do a quest to bring that person back if you wanted to go down that route.
2: But, but think about this.
1: Would... So you have Revivify in your team. And the arm that got chopped off has the ring to unlocking the tomb to the lich so you have to go find that arm even though that person's alive
0: i was gonna go even even easier than that um mort the monk has his arm cut off and now can't use any of his extra actions so So now might even bring him back to life well, well because they feel sorry for him but now mort the monk still has to retire There's no way he's going to continue on this adventure. He's alive and he can now go see his family, but he's
1: still done. Right. Or We can just do the full loop and Mort continues on the adventure and dies because he's useless.
0: Yeah. Or you could do that, but make it, maybe make it impactful that way. Or like now he has no legs. You're really going to carry him around in a cart forever. He might like, yeah, you, you can, You totally can. Or maybe you can take him to some kind of artificer who will give him metal legs and he'll get some kind of weird character development out of it. But like you can drive the story story that way.
1: Right there. about I have a story about a bard that. Yep.
0: Like you can, you can kind of take it in that way too. So like, yeah, they have revivify, but does it matter if they now don't have fingers and can't do the somatic components to their spell? Like now they either have to, play this character very differently so revivify stopped death so now death isn't as impactful but now this character either has to retire because they're just more or less useless compared to what they used to be or they just decide to continue somehow and now everything is handicapped from that point forward and they'll probably die um but like
1: and then come back again and again
0: like i guess that's kind of um, how
1: One, will be there'll be a torso and that's it
0: that that's the couple of ways that i would deal with it um those are the couple of ways i would deal with it i would either make it so that it's something worse than death or you're just not the same
2: so you can also go about it in an alternative way which i
1: have theorized is, yeah something i would go about yeah um essentially you make your resurrection more difficult
2: mm-hmm.
1: so if you have vivify you say maybe you break the wording of the spell and you can use it as a resurrection ritual later you can't immediately bring them back you might stop them from immediately dying but like so you have to go through an entire process uh, where you have to get a cleric and you, you gotta have to do this you gotta go that. collect
0: the dragon and balls you have to
1: go and you have to go through like certain DC checks, so that it yeah. feels like you're you're doing roles and you're doing your hardest and you're doing stuff to get that person back, which could very easily fail. And also, you ask that player, would that person actually come back if like their soul, because it's D and D. Yeah. There's places where souls go. Would that person even want to come back? Now and I, they say no, and that's just life.
0: I can't stress this enough. You can't spring that on your players
1: oh no you they, have to make sure that your players they, know that you yeah. can't take revivify yeah so my curse of strad my cleric took revivify i didn't tell him not to take it so we're doing revivify the normal way you i want, would never be like i know you took revivify but now you're gonna have to do this to make sure you can resurrect yeah. this and this no that, you that's, have to be that's for the new dms um yeah
0: you can't just spring that on people you really have to let them know how that works so like yeah. when i ran curse of Strahd, we had a bard that died early and what i did because i thought it was very theatrical to curse of Strahd is i found a homebrew revenant character type and i let them play as a revenant because they came back to kill yeah. Strahd. so like the the revenant had like a, a thing and
1: that actually what, works because there's an entire stronghold of revenants
0: yeah and... ex- exactly revenants are built into that campaign and they're like a well-known thing in that campaign and as soon as that bard kills Strahd, the revenant's gone. So like, it was a way to bring them back because it was an unfortunate death. We didn't mean for it to happen. It was still impactful because it's a revenant. Now it's an undead that happens to be in a party of something that's going to kill every undead that they see. It was an overzealous paladin. It's like there was this like internal struggle where he's like, you know what? I will let you live for now but if you don't die when we kill Strahd, I'm going to kill you. So it was like right. there was like this in, it, it created an internal dialogue in, in 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 the party.
1: Essentially, you can make it so that's impactful. Yeah. In but... different ways. So like like Rufus said, I also feel like you definitely don't want to like you like you said earlier, you don't want to spring these things on your players. You can I feel like it's almost I've had players I'd play with that if they used revivify and then you said, but your soul can't be revived Mm -hmm. because of this, they'd feel like that's really cheap. So you want to tell them it's going to be more difficult than like you need to go right in. Even with like the your souls in another dimension, like you originally said, you got to tell your players specifically if you're going to do that. And you can't spring that on them because then it could feel cheap. It could feel kind of weird. It could feel like a last minute ex machina kind of thing and that just feels
0: the other reason we did the revenant thing was we didn't have anybody with revivify so like
1: and that that's a cool way of doing it yeah it was like oh revenant that's more of like an early character death kind of thing
0: yeah and also like the pal there's no way the paladin in our party would have ever taken revivify because this whole thing was like when you die that's god's way of telling you you're dead and I'm going to put you to rest. Like he would never take revivify. Like that goes ag- right. that goes against his thing. Um. So and the was
1: revenant a- was almost like the character dying and then you writing another character. Yeah. Writing, like pretty much the same thing into the story. That, yeah. That falls more along the lines of a character has fully died. You've worked with the player to write in another character.
0: And that's what thing. we did. It was mechanically. It wasn't a bard. It was like a, it was a revenant. And it was mechanically different but it was just the same personality and the same RP we were also playing with a character who wasn't as um I'll say experienced in doing the RP stuff so it was like a nice easy way for that person to build a new character but still be RPing the same person
1: yeah so we, that we, falls so that that's not on the really the resurrection side that's more the the bringing them back in and then yeah the resurrection like we've gone over a couple good yeah. al- alternatives to it as opposed yeah. to Whatever. And if you find out that you'd rather have maybe your maybe your players like playing that more classic RPG dungeon crawler esque and they like using Rivify, we can go yep. really far back to the whole you're facilitating your players' happiness and their fun. Yep. Yep. So and if the- that's what they want to do, you take a step back. You think to yourself, okay, death won't matter as much. Maybe I can do more things. Maybe. Maybe they just like having really difficult monsters in their dungeons, and that's how Mm -hmm. you kind of deal with having an impact or whatever. Listen to your players. Kind of pay attention to what they seem to like and what they don't like because you're going to make mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. Everyone's going to make mistakes.
0: There's another way to handle this, too, that we're forgetting about, and it's a really
1: easy way to handle this. Uh, Sorry, finish your thought. (laughs) I cut you off. (laughs) All I was saying is it always comes back around to make sure your players are having fun.
0: Always. first that's...
1: campaign I DM'd, I, I definitely like, I, 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 we didn't RP a lot because that's not what my players wanted to do. They wanted mm-hmm. to do dungeon crawly stuff. And so that's what I did. I had a couple little RP moments but I facilitated what they wanted. So well, like with death, you facilitate yep. what your player wants. You might have these ideas like, I hate revivify. If a player really wanted to use revivify and that's what made them have fun I'd figure out how to go about it.
0: And that's your job. Like really is a, is a dungeon master. You're really playing as a mediator between four to six people and a story that you have, because you have to keep, they can't argue with each other outside, like a reasonable amount. Like everyone's going to have a little bit of argument, but it can't be an argument to the point where it's not fun. And you also have to mediate their interaction with the story. So you're really playing like a real life, like mediator in a sense. Because they also shouldn't hate you, because you yeah. roll incredibly high every single roll, and it's just not fair. You should maybe pull that back a little bit, unless you're rolling right in front of them, and then in which case it's like, well, fuck. <laughs> it
1: can be funny, though. I had a player that I used to crit for the first round of combat every time. They never went down <laughs> from the crit, but yeah. it just happened. And, you know, it was just a thing that happened. I laughed a little bit. They laughed. They cried a little bit, but they laughed mostly. <laughs>
0: the one thing we're forgetting about revivify and an easy way to like cancel this all out and allow them to still have it as written or as written and still have it be impactful is they need 300 gold worth of diamonds just don't make that super accessible
1: even if you don't use material components you could make material components necessary for resurrection because of how impactful it is because i don't play a lot of material components i've never made my players do that i don't resurrection spells you can pull them aside yeah. and be like, okay, for resurrection, you need material components.
0: And you just say that right up front. If you and you could even say that for healing as well. Just say healing and revive. Like depending on how, what your campaign is, but you could say healing and reviving require components. Everything else is fine. And then you can choose how to limit the diamonds. Are there diamonds in every town? Maybe there are, but the gold is scarce. Or maybe gold is plentiful, but diamonds are not. And then. They have to hold that, and yeah, maybe they bring back, uh, maybe they bring back Wario the Warlock, but like, good luck doing that again, right? Right, like, because you, you need
1: you, to have so many diamonds in your inventory.
0: You got it like, once,
1: so many diamonds,
0: yeah. But like, good luck doing it again, and like, that's a case where like you can still use it as written, and but like. You know, I gave you a spell focus, but it's not going to work for reviving. You're going to have to have the components. But that being said, if you have the components, you can just do it. Because they also only have a minute to do it. As per the written rule. So if they don't have those diamonds in combat right there on the battlefield, he's dead.
1: Yeah, you're not getting those diamonds yet.
2: If you don't already have them.
1: Exactly.
0: And if for some reason you have an accidental death. The bad guy can always be packing some diamonds. So like it gives you an out if you really need but
1: also it. Also, asking for something in return, of course, and like that. Yeah, you could, you could totally go down that route.
0: And I, and I think that that's probably how I would handle revivifies. I think I just kind of thought that's about that like right now. Like that's not actually something I've thought about for a long time. I just kind of came to that conclusion. I'm reading it right now. I'm like, wait, they only have a minute. And it takes an absurd amount, (laughs) you know, because I'm kind of like you. I don't normally play with components. I usually give them a focus and let them go to town. Yeah. Um. Because that and encumbrance are like, yeah, you can do it, but unless you're playing with hardcore people, don't.
1: Um.
0: In my opinion, I think encumbrance. components.
1: I think encumbrance and components just actually, it's the same thing, in my opinion, as. It's a greater form of using non milestone experience it bogs things like that numbers yeah. things we have to keep track of just bogs the entire game now and th- it slows everything down to the point of like now you can but i'm not min- saying that number experience is a bad thing too because that's totally
0: min maxers love much that kind of thing yeah. min maxers love that and if you're playing a min max if, if your whole party is min maxers don't give them a focus <laughs> if they're min maxing yeah, make them use that yeah. because they're going to get stronger than anything you can throw at them if you just let them have unlimited spells um but the only thing i really tend to care about usually is verbal somatic material and usually i just strike material from it but if your hands are tied up like this and you have to do a somatic sorry you can't cast that spell
1: yeah yeah i no, that verbal and somatic are really important to always remember and concentration but that's like a that's another rule set but verbal and somatic because if you are silenced in some way or if you have your hands not usable like yeah
2: then you can't cast a spell
0: and yeah i guess that that's how i would handle it just
2: i think that's a good way
1: to handle it i never thought about that either because i like i like you i just don't use components kind of saying you can do it but you have to have the materials for it because it is such an impactful spell you have to be able to do the full thing the spell requires
0: and and like in my opinion i don't think there are many spells in the game that really require that type of
1: um caution i'll say um it's pretty much resurrection spells as far as caution goes On the other hand, as far as an NPC you create, I feel like Power Word Kill is a terrible spell, because that is the least impactful death I can possibly think of as a spellcaster Power Word Kill. If you're less than 100 hit points, you instantly die.
0: Oh, yeah. No, don't don't Don't
1: ever give anyone that, because that is like, oh, this caster walked up to me, said a word, and Mm -hmm. I'm dead now. There's nothing I can do. Well, that sucks. Goodbye
0: see that's only cool if you give it to an npc on a scroll who's an assassin who goes to kill a king that's one but i mean like
1: i'm talking about (laughs) an npc that has it in their spell slots against the characters
0: yep no the
1: playable characters
0: yeah that's or or you have to maybe they have to adhere to the same thing they have to have the components for that
2: they only have enough for one
1: even if they have for one that is still in the super unimpactful death of someone that is being i i feel like power word kills it's a rough spell to not use in a thematic way versus npc versus npc yeah you know
0: i'm, I'm trying to play the other side and like the only way maybe, i can
1: maybe to show like power from npc to npc you can use power word kill like someone says a word and someone dies you're like oh god this is the big bad guy
0: and like
2: I guess it's a I think it's I think it's a thematic spell to be and used I between... also feel
0: like if some if you're if you're fighting somebody who has access to ninth level spells, you're probably over a hundred hit points anyway. <laughs> it's true. So there there's that, but like all... if
1: it's like a later game fight. I I like to, as you can tell from my campaign, I like to I like the big bad guy to be to be there to really like to be there kind of like strad strad's yeah. always there my bad guys are always there they might be packing
2: heat but they're never going to use that spell no. against any of my players no yeah
0: yeah no it's definitely in my opinion a thematic thing
2: and a lot yeah. of the,
0: like in my opinion half the spells on the spell list are it's really to make players feel strong and make players feel good um, for the most part, like I don't know if there
2: even is an NPC that has power right out the gate. Oh, I know of one that has power word kill right out the gate. Oh yeah?
0: Is it one you made?
1: Oh yeah, no, it's not in the book.
0: Yeah. I don't <laughs> think there's I don't think there's anything that actually comes with it. So like you have to do that to yourself. Is I guess what I'm getting at and just don't do that.
1: Yeah, I guess if you're using just book things, there's
0: well, like chances are like you're going into this knowing it. Right. So like if you want to kill a character you're hell bent on killing a character, that's a pretty easy way to do it.
1: It's got to be a pretty bad character if you're that intent on killing it.
0: But I mean, here's the thing player says i hate my character i don't want to play anymore and you're like okay big bad comes in power word kill it's a really easy way to get rid of you it could kind of be impactful bring the party together we can you know there's true there's ways it's just so niche
2: like that's
1: it is a niche spell i i that's the biggest reason the statement still stands to never use it on a party member unless like you were saying there's a very very niche time where you use it stay away from it like if Speaking you can't, because it kind of ties into the whole death theme. Speaking, yeah. Stay stay away from that as much as you can.
0: Like if you came to me and you're like, I really don't like playing Darien. You know, playing a wizard was a I like mistake. Darian. I really want to play. A, I'm not going to. But like if you came to me and said, I really want to play a fighter. I made a mistake. I don't like it. It's too slow. I'm not having fun with it. How are we going to do that? I would probably stay away from death at the point that we're in in my campaign to handle that. But but you, you could
1: know. go about death if you wanted to. I don't think that like the party doesn't know each other enough yet in your campaign to have death be as impactful if it's a party that's very close and then you have this talk with your player then sure you can use death as a way to bring the party together bring in potentially maybe that character's son or daughter comes into the campaign as their other character to avenge or whatever like you you could there's very niche ways of making it work
0: and there's like there's also ideas where like it also depends like where you're at in the character development of your big bad if they don't know how strong the big bad is yet and he just comes up and just bam. And he's dead. Like, okay, we shouldn't fight that. Like you're setting the bar in a way that's like, he's, we want him out anyway. So it's a, we're setting the bar here as opposed to, yeah, you know what? uh, You know, you, you hear word that your parents have died. And at the moment in this quest, you know, it's not that important. You know, we're, herding cats or something boring right. you're, you're gonna leave yeah. and you're gonna come back later but he never comes back he never catches up right. um so it kind of depends on where you're at in the, the plot development
1: a really good way to show big bad power is something like power where it's stunned <laughs> when you ask a player do they have less than 150 hit points and they yeah. say no and then they're stunned they're like oh this is a bad idea <laughs>
0: they're stunned for just slightly longer than vampiric touch
1: yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, that was a fun ending. Go to sleep. You're stunned. Okay. <laughs> it made sense. That was a good thing. But yeah, it's like death. There's a lot. I feel like we could go on for a lot longer, but we actually are probably coming to a point where we should close out.
0: Yeah, we definitely should start kind of closing it out now. Um, I guess. Let us know in the, if you're watching this on YouTube or somewhere with comments or you're in the Twitch chat right now. Let us know. How do you deal with death? What are your thoughts on death? What are your thoughts on Revivify? Let us know. Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Why is Cal wrong? Let us know. <laughs>
1: That's a loaded question. Uh, I could talk about that for an hour. Uh, while
0: I yeah, we, we typically do that an hour before the podcast starts, but let's work it into the... <laughs>
1: rufus that's supposed to be between you just you and me damn it uh
0: i'm gonna let the whole world in on this um uh, any final yeah. words on death or revivify or the
1: the final thing i would say is even the, rufus and i talked about different ways that you can definitely use things listen to your players yep like the the most important thing is make sure your players are having fun. If you think to yourself one of the things we said is really cool, but your players wouldn't like it, don't use it. Yeah. Use something different. Always try and use what your players would think is the most fun.
0: 100%. Your job is to make them have fun. That that's your sole job as a DM.
2: Yeah. Any last words from you Rufus on why
1: you're wrong?
0: well i don't it's never really happened so i haven't really had much time to reflect on it um
1: yeah you mean when you killed my bard for no reason that's when you were wrong
0: (laughs) i mean wrong is a very heavy word um
1: F's, f's in chat for gene
0: f's in chat for gene
2: um i wouldn't say i was wrong per se uh i would oh wow i'm logged into my my youtube
1: my my other youtube account that's not calamity that's that's my
0: cal's video archive (laughs) um okay that's all i have okay i wasn't wrong
1: (laughs) i wasn't wrong (laughs) here i am saying do do what your players want and roo's just like i wasn't wrong
0: yeah, R- Ruf- Rufus is just like... Oh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not my fault yeah. you played a crappy character. <laughs>
1: he was not a crappy character. He actually wasn't built too terribly. He was sadly the only person that took all bard.
0: Yeah. Which... that uh, It wouldn't have mattered. It didn't matter what you took.
1: I was thinking of taking barbarian but everyone else was going like a melee variant it didn't matter we were already going melee variant but that wouldn't have saved me
0: had he crit like that it wouldn't have mattered like he crit so he was insta hitting and he rolled high enough to kill everybody in the party like it did not matter what you had you were dead and that's the best of us the only mistake i made was rolling in front of you guys that's the only mistake i
1: made that's what we learned don't roll in front of your players
0: um, I I still I true. I still do it all the time. Um, I feel like that's something where when you're starting out, roll behind the screen and never give yourself an edge. Always give your players help if you're if they're new and you're new. Always err on the side of caution and give them a chance. Um, you should never, um, should never give yourself an edge because you have all the information. You should already have an edge
1: right that was actually there's a really good article i read a while ago on playing theater of the mind as yeah. opposed to online and how like <laughs> when your player is trying to say can i do this or is it, like your player starting to ask questions you should just ask what do you want to do and then yeah. you know if they say they want to cast a fireball and hit as many as possible imagine in your mind okay it might be able to hit four yeah it can definitely hit four yeah. kind of thing don't say oh it might be able to hit four but it might be but it probably we'll just let it hit three no you go with the the fourth person the fourth thing that it hits
0: if you're playing theater of the mind you you definitely you always do that my problem is i can't i just i can't keep track of it
1: theater of mind's rough theater of mind's rough too as a dm being having to describe everything to make it so vivid that your players actually know can that they're all thinking the same thing or roughly the same
0: yeah it's easier um, to put them a whole, on a map where they can see that they're in a dungeon versus that's outside. That's a
1: whole nother podcast. Theater of the mind versus grid. Maybe that'll be next week. We could. That's a whole nother thing. We
0: need one more week to carry us to GDQ,
1: so we do. Maybe that's what we do for next week. GDQ. Not next week, GDQ. Week no, after GDQ. Week after,
2: exactly.
0: But yeah, I I think that I think that's all I got.
2: Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. You all have a fantastic rest of your night. See you next week. See you next. Some more podcasts.